Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, going solo once again today. What we're going to do real quick before getting into grading the defensive goalies, just like I promised you earlier in the week, uh, we have some news that I got to share with you. Uh, I'm sure as most of you have already seen this by now, but... Austin Matthews won't be participating in the All-Star break this weekend, so if you were hoping to flip on the channel and watch him score a whole whack of goals this weekend, not going to happen. He has an acute wrist injury, which has been reportedly nagging him now for a couple of weeks. Uh, He wants to give it a few days rest to heal. He should be back Monday for Nashville. Uh, As a Leafs fan, like I am and like you guys all are, you should be happy with this because you don't want him to go and get hurt in a meaningless game. If he does have... I'm sure this isn't an injury that would keep him out of an actual regular season game, but since it's it's a it's an all-star game, a friendly, it doesn't matter. He figures, well, let's just not push it. Let me take a couple more days to let it heal, let it rest up, and then we'll be good to go Monday when, when the games start up again. Uh, that matters. So this is a good thing, honestly, for, uh, for, for Lee's fans. Uh, some more news on the injury front. Jake Muzzin was activated off the IR today. He was sent to the Marlies for a conditioning stint. Um, so this weekend he's going to... He's going to go down and and maybe get a game or two uh, in. Uh, He should be back on track to return on Monday as well for that game in Nashville. And that should be a really nice boost for this team that's been struggling to keep the puck out of the net. Um, I'll detail in just a little bit how crucial Muzzin is to this team's success and and how him missing the last 11 games hasn't really gone too well for for the Maple Leafs. So uh, Muzzin is going to be one of the higher-graded defensemen, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, But also, William Nylander voted uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association's Comeback Player of the Year at the midway mark. Uh, He's got 43 points so far this season after a brutal campaign last year. We'll see if he can hang on to it. Um, You know, I think that it's kind of premature to award a comeback player of the year at this point. I'm not too sure why they made this a, you know, a, 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 an award that they went public with, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word. You know, we'll see if you can hang on to it when they announce the real awards in Vegas this June. Personally, I thought that there were other few good choices around the league. Anthony Duclair's having an outstanding season in Ottawa. Uh, a guy who was essentially ostracized from Columbus just wasn't getting along with with the with uh, John Tortorella and Torts wasn't playing him at all. He ends up moving over to Ottawa last season in one of the deals. Uh, I believe it was a deal for Ryan Dezingle, actually, and Declares turned out to actually be a better player than Dezingle was, and he was just a, a little bit piece of that deal. But he's having a great season, uh, over 20 goals. So I thought Declare would have been a good choice. Maybe even James Neal uh, having a really good year with the Edmonton Oilers. Started off hot. Uh, he's he's kind of cooled off ever since, but still, seems like he's going to have a 20-goal season this year. Uh, and call me crazy. But I think that Louis Erickson out of Vancouver is looking to make a second-half push for that trophy. I just know that Justin Morissette and our friends at Locked On Canucks have been raving about his play over the last month or so. He's kind of turned into a fan favorite over the last few weeks, which is crazy because you think of Louis Erickson, you think of one of the biggest busts in free agent history. But apparently he's been playing pretty well over the last uh, little bit, so maybe he can go on a bit of a tear, go on a run on a line with Bo Horvat. Uh, down the second half of the year, maybe he can give William Nylander uh, a kind of a push there for a comeback player of the year. But if Nylander does end up finishing with 70 to 80 points this year, yeah, that's a heck of a comeback after a very, very poor season last year. So maybe he will be able to hold on to it, And uh, but it's he's got to keep it going through the second half. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and let's grade our defensemen 
We'll start, we'll do a couple and then we'll take a break. Uh, so we'll start off with Morgan Riley. Um, so here's the thing with Morgan Riley. So he's got 27 points in 46 games, currently injured, which is unfortunate for the Leafs. Um, but you know what? I think it, he's clearly had a nagging injury all season, which could be the reason for his struggles. I spoke with a few, uh, with a fellow media member earlier this season, kind of before he ended up getting shut down. And he told me that when Riley walks, he looks like he's in a significant amount of pain, just kind of hobbling like an old man. And that was before this injury came out and he went on the IR. So uh, I think that this has been kind of an injury-plagued season for him for a while. Um, and, and after a Norris-caliber year, scoring 20 goals last year, there was sky-high expectations He's just not meeting them. Um, whether that's fair or not, it's it is what it is. You know, just three goals so far on the year. That's that's not really acceptable considering that he was on the first power play unit for for pretty much the first half of the season and still wasn't really able to get it going. Um, he's been taken off of the power play unit, which obviously has affected his point totals so far this year. I get it, but at five on five, his production has kind of dropped off as well. He had 51 points at 5-on-5 five five last year, just 20 so far this year, and definitely not on pace for the... Like, he's he's on pace for less than 40 points at 5-on-5, five five, which is double digits less than he had the year before. Um, taking a look at some of the more advanced stats here, um, his Corsi, 52.39%, but the shot share while he's on the ice is much lower than it was last season, currently under 50% shot share, while he's out on the ice with 53% offensive zone starts too. So um, that's that's not usually something that you like to see. He's given up the most high danger scoring chances on the team. He's given up 201 high danger chances. And he's given up a, a team high 34 goals, high danger. Then we also take a look at the high danger scoring chances. He's given up 201, which is the most on the team. Of those 201, 34 of those goals have ended up in the back of the net. Um, he leads the team with goals against per 60, allowing 2.98 goals against when he's on the ice for, for 60 minutes. So it's just not exactly been a good season for Morgan Riley and you look at goals against per 60 when on the PK it's been even worse uh 12.38 goals per 60 which is double the expected rate double what is expected which means you know he's just not playing well and it, it also somewhat means that bad bounces maybe it's who he's playing with playing a majority of the season with Cody CC, who's been awful and also playing with Tyson Berry, who's not known for being a good defensive defenseman. He's a, a dwinger as he's been called a, a guy who likes to jump up into the rush a lot, which kind of leaves Morgan Riley hanging a lot of the time on, on two on ones. But, you know, I, I just think there's clearly an injury bug that's been plaguing him throughout the season. Hopefully this time off that he has will be able to kind of clear him of those injuries and, and he can kind of get back to full health and be good to go for the playoffs. Uh, but but it just hasn't been a good season for Morgan Riley, and I've given him a C grade. It's a C for Morgan Riley. All right, let's move on to Tyson Berry. 27 points for Tyson Berry. It's been a tough year for him. He hasn't lived up to the build. To the, uh, to the billing as an elite defenseman who can play top-pairing minutes. Uh, I'm starting to get the impression that he was kind of sheltered heavily in Colorado 
Um, I thought that the coaching change was really going to be a big benefit to Tyson Berry, and it has offensively. If you look at the numbers, they're much better. In the 26 games under Sheldon Keefe, he's got 20 points, and when he was under Babcock, just seven assists. He, he didn't even score a single goal with Mike Babcock. If you recall the first game for Keefe, it was Tyson Berry who scored that goal in Arizona, and everybody was elated. Tyson Berry's so happy, and he's got four goals since. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who you don't expect to do much in his own zone because that's just not his game. He's an offensive dynamo. He's a guy who you stick on your top power play, and he can quarterback it, which he's been doing a good job. Like, that top power play is cooking. Like, they're tops in the league since Keith took over, and... I just, for a guy who's a defenseman, first and foremost, he is a defenseman. It Something bothers me about him. Um, somehow, with, with just 20% defensive zone starts, he's second on the team for high-danger goals against, and he's been a massive liability in his own end at the end of the day. It's unfortunate that his He's in a contract year because I think that he's cost himself quite a bit of change. At the beginning of the year, I would have thought for sure this is a guy who's going to try and ask for seven and a half, maybe even $8 million based on his track record. And now, man, I, I wouldn't be feel comfortable paying much more than $6 million for him. And that's not based on this season. That's just based on the hopes that he rebounds to what he was before. But Tyson Berry, it's been a, a tough year for him, um, giving him a C- minus on the season. C- minus for Tyson Berry. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll get back to uh, the rest of these defensemen, and then we'll hit up the goalies as well in the third segment. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, and we're currently ranking and giving grades to our defensemen through the first half of the season. Uh, all right, we've already done Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry. Moving on to Jake Muzzin. Man, so I already kind of alluded to the fact that he's going to be coming back, which is going to be really big for this team. I really do. You know, he's been heavily missed. He was a, a steady rock on the back end. He he kills penalties. He gets his stick in lanes. He crashes the glass. You know, he's one of the few Leafs who actually look for the big hit. He, even though he's missed the last 11 games, he still leads the team with 87 hits on the year. Um, you know, so he's he's a, he's a guy who likes to play with a little bit of aggression, which you'd love to see, and it's something that the Leafs are seriously lacking. Um, as I noted before, should be back with the team after the break and plans to be in the lineup on Monday in Nashville. Uh, the, the thing that I've really liked about Jake Muzzin, though, is how impressive he's been to me, how impressive he's been uh, on both ends of the ice. I felt that he's been a little bit more... There's a little bit more offense to his game than I anticipated. And for a guy that I considered and that was kind of considered as a shutdown defensive defenseman, I think that he's on the ice. Uh, he's he's doing a lot of good things on the offensive end, too. He's on the ice when the Leafs score more than he is scored against. I don't think I said that properly. He's on the ice more when the Leafs score than when they're scored on. So he's on the ice for 48 goals that the Leafs have scored, but he's only been on the ice for 46 goals that have been scored against. If that, it makes it easier. <laughs> and for a shutdown defenseman, you would think that's not really the case. You would think that, all right, this is a guy who right away you know is going to be um, playing against the, the, the league's top 
players every single night, the, the opposing team's top line, and you're going to be in the defensive zone a lot because the opposing team is going to send them out there when they have ozone face-offs, and, and that just... That might be the case, but Muzzin doing a pretty good job of uh, of shutting down opposing lines, and he's been very much missed over the last little bit. Jake Muzzin, uh, he's earned a B, and the reason why he hasn't gotten A is I think because he hasn't been A the the, the injury hurts him a little bit, and B there is a point there about mm, I want to say midway through the season where he went on a little bit of a lull uh, there was a little bit of inconsistency maybe there was a, an injury kind of got to him a little bit that was kind of undiagnosed or at least not let out to the public but uh, just yeah he went, he went like a few weeks there where he was playing more like Cody Cece than he was Jake Muzzin so uh, that's that's kind of why he wasn't able to get an A for me, and, and I landed on a B. Uh, another guy who got a B, Justin Hall. Honestly, he's I think he's been the Leafs' biggest surprise this season. Uh, you could argue Pierre Engvall, but I'm going to go with, with Justin Hall uh, because I, he was a guy who was in Babcock's doghouse last season and only got into 11 games last year. 11 games. He had to watch 71 games from the press box a season ago. Like, the the mental toll that that could take on somebody when you're told, no, you're not good enough. You're only going to get a couple, of, a couple of games, a taste here and there when I feel like it or when we're playing a, a, a dog's breakfast of a team and you can't really hurt us that much when I only play you for 13 minutes a game. That's not the case this year, man. This Justin Hall has turned into a player. He is... I think uh, a solid defenseman for this team. He's turned out to be a top four guy. Just 13 points, but I don't think offense is is really his calling card. I think he's turned out to be a pretty good shutdown defenseman. And when he got moved up earlier in the year, he was playing um, third-pairing minutes, which was fine. It was kind of what he was. And then he ended up on a line with, with Dermott, and then he got moved up kind of when Keith took over and changed everything around. He ended up moving up with, with Jake Muzzin, and him and Muzzin were a great pairing. And I'm hoping that they do get reconnected again on Monday when, when Muzzin returns because I thought that they were really good together, and that was a, a pretty solid shutdown pairing. And that's something that I think they need. Like you look at how – we'll talk about it later, but Freddie Anderson's numbers since Jake Muzzin left, whew, not good, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Not just the fact that Jake Muzzin's gone, but that pairing itself has been erased. And uh, you know, it's it. Sometimes it only takes one guy for for a defensive unit to kind of shut down on you. And I think Muzzin was a big reason for that. But Justin Hall, he's he's trying to do the best he can right now. He's the best defensive defenseman that I guess the Leafs have while Muzzin's out. Um, but what I love about him is his fearlessness on the ice like I, I think this guy blocks a lot of important shots and it's not just just soft blocks like I remember the dude he's getting out in front of Ovechkin one-timers from the circle you recall that game a couple couple of months ago against Ovi with the dying seconds he ended up scoring but it was he took two blocks off of the butt or off the side of the, of, of his body and then finally on the third chance Ovechkin was able to get it past him and into the net I think he ended up scoring a hat trick off that play too but you know, Hall putting his body on the line, which which I absolutely love. He only trails Muzzin in, in shots blocked per 60, blocking 7.91 shots per 60 minutes. So I think Justin Hall has been a revelation 
a good find, and I'm really glad that Dubis actually was able to sign him to a contract extension, too, at a very reasonable cap hit for a guy who I think could play in your bottom two pairing, uh, whether it's on the second pairing or the third pairing, depending on what ends up happening in the offseason. Uh, I think Hall is a guy who at least can be in it for the long haul. That was lame, but had to make that joke. Uh, so I gave Justin Hall a B. Uh, Cody CC. Well, I gave him a letter that rhymes with B, and that's D. Wow. Um, look, I've been pretty honest with you guys of how brutal I felt that Cody CC has played this season. Um, he looks like a, a movie theater turnstile on a nightly basis, the amount of times that he's letting guys just blow by him. And it's just, he's been so terrible. Uh, he's he's kind of, it's like he doesn't realize who his man is when he's out there or, you know, his gap control has been terrible. Um, he, he, he vacates the front of the net when, when he should, you know, stay there. He, he allows his man get past him. You know, every time Cody sees, he's out on the ice and we're in the defensive end. I kind of start to, to clench my face together and, and I just get a little bit tense. I'm like, Oh God, here comes a goal. But, um, it's, it's unfortunate that he's one of the few players that aren't offensively minded on this team, which means he's pretty much gifted with, with penalty kill time. He leads the entire team with 142 minutes shorthanded, but you know, he's, he's been abysmal when he's out there. Like his main job is basically to clear the net and, and get your big, long stick in lanes. And he doesn't really do that as often as he should. I think CC has been, been awful. I, I honestly, I've said many times that I think he's the player that, if you're going to do anything to shake up this defensive core, if you can move CC and get him off the team and, and remove that cap hit, that would be best. But even let him sit in the press box for a couple of games. Like Travis Dermott's a player who can play the right side, and you can kind of flip him there. And, and now that you know Rasmus Sandin is back with the team, allow him to play on the left side. Or even bring up you know Timothy Lilligren. He finally got his shot right at the end there against Chicago. Just played ten minutes. He was a seventh defenseman, so I wasn't expecting much out of him. But honestly, like I give him the shot over Cody Cece at this point. He can't be much worse. I even even though he's only played one game in the NHL, I highly doubt that playing Timothy Lilligren for fifteen minutes would be much worse than playing Cody Cece. Just saying, just saying. But um. He has been durable, and I can't give him an F, so I've given him a D. Uh, but he's been bad. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have our last one, and it's Travis Dermott. So Dermott, so I gave him a C plus. Um, if you recall, he he was injured to start the year, so he's only got thirty six games under his belt. He missed the first. 13. Yeah, that make that math makes sense. Um uh, thir- the first 13 games. I thought he started off decent actually. Um he was on a line with with Justin Hall, <laughs> who maybe it was more Hall than it was Dermot who who made him look good, but I thought that they were actually a, quite a nice pairing. And he's gone into a little bit of a funk recently, uh where it seems like he's just making mistakes that he wasn't making earlier in his career. I don't know if he's trying to, like, if his confidence is just shook, 
but it just seems like he's trying to make, you know, extra passes that he shouldn't or he's getting sloppy with the puck in his own zone. Um, it just it just seems like he's making some silly mistakes recently. And I, I just it could be the fact that he's being thrusted up into the lineup in a bit of a bigger role with Muzzin and Riley out and he just wasn't ready for it. Like he's still young. He's 20, 22, 23, maybe. Like he's still a young defenseman. Um, still growing, still has time to be a legitimate NHLer, but uh, there was kind of aspirations coming into the year that Travis Dermott was going to solidify himself into the top four. I know a lot of people were thinking that he could flip over to the right side. Um, I was among them, I won't lie. But I'm not so sure that he is a top four defenseman anymore. I think he's probably more so a third-pairing guy, and... Um, I've, I've given him a C plus. I thought that he hasn't been terrible, but he's he's been a little bit under average. He's underachieved a little bit to me. Uh, all right, so there it is. Those are our defensemen. I'll go through it one more time. Morgan Riley a C, Tyson Berry a C minus, Jake Muzzin a B, Justin Hall a B, Cody Cece a D, and Travis Dermott I've given a C. Plus. All right, on the other side, we will finish up our grades by going over the goaltenders. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. We went through the Fords. We went through the D. Now we got the goaltenders. Uh, this should go by pretty quickly because really the only one we're talking about is Freddie Anderson. Um, and Freddie... Uh, you know, if you asked me a month ago, I would probably have a much different grade. And the problem is it's not a month ago, and it's now. So I've given him a B-, and it's funny because I've spoken with a couple of people, and they're like, mm, that seems a little high, which, yeah, kind of, maybe, especially if you take into account how he's played lately. Um you know, up until a month ago, he was considered a Vezda candidate, and now he's kind of just hanging on to that B grade. And and you look at his January numbers, and they're god awful, 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 awful. Um, two one and two, with a four twelve goals against, and an eight eighty five save percentage in the month of January. Those numbers are worse than Michael Hutchinson, folks. Worse than Michael Hutchinson, who doesn't have a great grade. You'll find that out in a moment. The thing with Anderson, and it's it's funny because uh, today on Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050, Mike Johnson said that Freddie Anderson has been the reason why this team is kind of teetering on a playoff spot, and he's the guy who he believes is at the top of his list of underachieving Leafs and is a big reason why right now they have themselves four points out of a playoff spot. At first, I kind of scoffed at that remark, but it kind of is valid when you think about it. Like, in the last 10 games or so, he's only had two games, two, where he's allowed less than three goals. He's been bad the last month, we'll say a month, because he had a Vesna caliber November, which makes sense. Freddie November, as always. And then had a decent first half of December, but 
boy, 2020 has not been Freddie's year. Um, he's 22, 9, and 6 on the year, a 909 save percentage, and a 298 goals against. Both career lows at this point. And obviously, if it stays that way, there'll be career lows for him. Which is interesting because I feel like at the beginning of the year, we were talking about how Fred Anderson has kept this team into so many games. And he's been the team MVP. And now the conversation has shifted to Freddie Anderson is holding this team back from a playoff spot. I don't know how I feel about that. Because I think if that were the case, I probably would have given him a C. But I don't I, I don't think that's the case. I think it, it, it mainly has to do with the play in front of him. The injury to Jake Muzzin, I think, has been has been crucial to his or has been kind of detrimental to, to the way that that defensive corpse has played in front of Anderson, which it has not been good. Um ever since Keith took over because of their high flying offense. It just leaves a little more to be desired on the defensive end of the ice. And I think maybe Anderson is still adjusting to that system. Um, He's facing a lot of rubber, a lot of rubber. And I've talked about it before. And I couldn't give him a C because if you take into account the entire first half of the year, even in the Babcock era, he was your team MVP. MVP through the first quarter of the season. It's impossible for me to give him an, a C grade or even say that he's the reason why his team is in the playoffs because if it wasn't for him in the first half and you just had a league average goaltender, I don't think they'd be near the playoffs at this point. They might have already decided to punt on the season. Think about it. Anderson's got a B-minus for me. Um, Hutchinson, however. Yeah, no, he's... <laughs> Look, if it weren't for the last few games, uh, he'd, he'd be given an F. I'll be quite honest, an F. Because he was... He already did lose his job once. Kaskasuo ended up coming up playing one game. Because he was so awful. I think he was seven seven straight games without a win. Um, he just wasn't getting it done earlier in the year. At one point, the Leafs only collected one of a possible 14 points that were up for grabs in games that Hutchinson started. All of which under the Babcock era, might I add. Uh, he's 3-7-1 with an 885 goals against and a 383 or an 885 save percentage and a 383 goals against. So, he's improved over the last, let's say, month. I think he's he's been better. I think he's, what, three and three and one in his last four starts. So, that's not, it's not a fail. But it's certainly no better than a D. That said, I still think that the Leafs need an upgrade there, whether it's a veteran like Craig Anderson or Ryan Miller or a young backup like Alexander Georgiev out of New York, I still think it's a position that's becoming more and more important to teams and to team success. And I think that it's a position that's going to need to be addressed. You can't get D-level effort out of your backup goaltender and expect to be successful. And that's kind of how it's been for the Maple Leafs. You know, like Hutchinson, 
has started 11 games. That's 22 points that are up for grabs. Only been able to get seven. So, giving him a D. All right. Um, Yeah, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow. We'll be chatting some more Leafs content. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.